Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning. Good morning. Still it's dark out there. Very early for us. I mean, I don't usually operate well before 9 a.m. Um, and it's 8 a.m., which is that's pushing it. But but there's a very good reason why we're up at this time in the morning, isn't there, Matt? We're joined from Australia, no less, from Melbourne, from Ross Noble, who has actually popped up now here. So I've seen Ross a few times in stand-up, and I actually, I just, I think he might be one of my absolute favourites. So this should be <laughs> this should be a good one. Can't um, wait. Yes, so let, let, very let, excited. Let, let me let him in. Hey, Whoa, how's it going? Morning. Or evening? It is, yeah, it's evening. Evening here? Doing? Oh, very li- well. Living the dream out in Australia. Very much so, yeah, yeah. I was literally, uh, I was literally thinking, should I go in the pool before I talk to you guys or shall I wait till that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All I'm right, not even joking about that. <laughs> you've been, uh, you've been out in great. Australia for many years, haven't you? You've, uh, I was... Yeah, I was here for a a bit and then I went back. We were back for 10 years and then just got fed up and then came back. So, yeah, it's all very nice. Are you in Melbourne, is it? Yes, yeah, yeah, down on the Mornington Peninsula. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lovely. We were just saying before before, uh, before we logged on, Matt, uh, before we logged on, Ross, that both Matt and I would, at the drop of a hat, we would move to Melbourne. It's one of our favourite cities. It's one of these... Right. And one of our colleagues, one of our friends, apparently famously said, what was it you said, Matt? Yeah, we were covering this World Championship, so I work as a sports journalist covering when Chris was was riding. It was on the last day, and he looked slightly distraught, this guy who works for the BBC, and he goes, he goes, Matt, I love my family, but I, I think I love Melbourne more. And he didn't want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. Like my, my wife's from here, um, and she misses, she misses the UK more than, more than I do, you know. Really? We haven't started, have we? Because I can't be on here slagging off the you. <laughs> well, well, we have, but don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I but love now, the UK and, and everything. So <laughs> it's just the winters, isn't it? I mean, I I never really understood just how lucky I was when I was competing. Every winter, every UK winter, we'd go out to Australia. We go to Perth normally, sometimes Melbourne. And oh I wow! Was yeah. Between six and eight weeks training and racing out in Australia, and it was. It was hardcore in terms of the, the, the actual training was full on. It was off season. You did a huge volume of training, but it was amazing. And you always had that break in the darkness and the cold in the winter. So no matter how bad it was in, you know, November, December time, you knew that January you'd be off and you would get that that sunshine. And it's yeah, you only really yeah. I only really appreciate it now when I'm sitting here in the dark yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. wondering what it's like on the, the sunny side of the globe right now. Yeah, I mean, Perth's another one, isn't it? Like, Perth's just, that that's like a different country in itself as well, you know, just that sort of, mm. uh, yeah. 
No, Perth's the only place in the world where, this is my favourite fact about Perth, can land a fixed-wing aircraft in the CBD. No, because yeah. of the main road. What's, what's, that? what's the main a, street down appara- the yeah. a, Apparently so. Apparently, if you needed to, you could. You could land a fixed-wing aircraft in the middle that's of incredible. the city. Yeah. When you think about it, it now, St George's Terrace, isn't it? I think that's the name of the street. And it's... Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you could see it. And also, certainly on a weekend, it's like a ghost town. I couldn't believe that most yeah. CBDs do get a little bit quiet on a weekend, but Perth, it's just like everybody from Friday evening ships out, they go down to Cottage Law, they get out of the city, and it is like a ghost town. So you probably could land a, land a fix. Yeah, without, you, there, no, you could no, land no, it without anybody without knowing. Anyone. You, can, you get, get in, unload all your shit, oh, and get frozen, out again. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're back, you're back. Um, no, you were picking your eye there. It's like you're stuck in a position that was, was quite comedy for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I do that from time to time. I just stop and just, I stick my finger in my eye and I just pause like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's how it is. So, so is, the, is it the comedy scene in Melbourne that drew you across there initially or is it just your wife meeting her or how, how did you end up in Australia? Yeah, I came over to do gigs and, uh, yeah, I came over to do gigs and just fell in love with the place and then, uh, and then yeah, started coming back, and I didn't, I didn't meet her until I met her. I came over, and then I did. I met her like a year later, and um, but I fell in love with the whole country. To be honest, I just sort of like um, the first time I came over, I did this like um, I did the comedy festival, but then it was the first time they tried this thing where it was like a sort of like a roadshow thing where they, they took a bunch of comics and we went and toured around a whole bunch of us toured around like like miles out of, uh, you know, right out into the bush, did, did desert gigs and stuff. And I did that. And I just looked at that and I just thought, and, you know, I'd been going from, you know, motorway service to motorway services in the UK. And I loved, I loved touring around the UK. And I, I especially, I used to go out and do, just travel up and do the Highlands and mm. Islands of Scotland. You know, I used to love that. And I looked wow. at it, I just went, and I just thought, if I could do this, on my own. <laughs> That's how social I am. <laughs> I, could, I could ditch the dead weight and just, yeah. And it was one of those things where like, I just thought, yeah, just sort of that, that became my, um, that became my thing. I thought, right, I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to keep coming back until, and I had this, I had this plan. I thought, right, well, I'll, I'll tour the UK for six months and then I'll just disappear off the face of the planet and everyone will think I'm resting. And then I'll go and I'll tour all the outback of Australia and travel around and just, um, uh, so I started doing that and it, di- it didn't take very long, you know, it took off pretty quick. And then, uh, and then the tours got bigger and bigger. And then I just sort of, then it got to the point where, you know, I was, I was just, yeah, it was taking me ages to get around. And then, so yeah, so I, I do that. I tour, I tour here and then I tour back in the UK and I get to, um, you know, like one tour I, I I I did it without any planes at all. I did did it all on my motorbike, like twenty six thousand kilometers of just wow. riding through the desert, and then and then I do this thing as well where I'll go to Perth, and then I'll do all the regional, like all regional Western Australia, and then I head up north, and I do like Darwin, uh, like Port Hedland, Caratha, Carnarvon. Darwin, and then I go across and I do Mount Isa. So I just disappear off into the desert. But they've got these big theatres there. They've got like these fifteen hundred seater theatres that, and like all these miners who are, you know, like miners and, and you know people that live out there. And people will travel like two, three days because they go, "What? There's there's a show on? 
so yeah, so they they just it's 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 a bit like sometimes it's a bit, it's a bit like Mad Max, you know. You sort of put on a bit of it's like the Thunderdome, and then people just sort of there's a rumbling and there's dust comes in from the desert, <laughs> and people just turn up. There's there's some of the I did a gig once where uh, right up north there, and every single car in the car park of the theatre was a white ute with a yellow light on top of it. <laughs> they, were, they were all, all of them were mining vehicles, you know. And I was sort of chatting to the audience. Everyone worked in the mine. I went, is there anybody in here who doesn't work in the mining industry? And then one bloke put his hand up. I said, well, what are you doing? Mate? He was like, oh, I work in the school teaching all the miners kids. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, but motorbikes are your passion, aren't they? I mean, that's, like your, that's your big thing outside of comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Yeah, so that's my yeah. When it comes to when it comes to the sporting thing, that's kind of that's my that's that's my sort of never done anything like competitive except for except for motorbikes. Yeah, I love it. When did that begin? Like, how young were you? Was it a family thing? Did you get into the the bikes from? No, I wasn't allowed one. I wasn't. Uh, it was. I was from one of those families where it was like absolutely not. <laughs> Motor, but they, they're like you know they were they were a bad lads thing you know it was a real and my mom was just like you know the, you know that sort of um, just that kind of attitude that people have got where they go oh you'll kill yourself or you know what I mean it's just straight away there's not my there's exactly nothing the same. In, exactly the you know same. what I mean like nothing in between it's just that thing of like oh you like motorbikes well you'll be dead okay. soon then. <laughs> Uh, so that was my thing growing up, and I was, mm. you know, I, I really liked the idea of, but I was into bikes, you know, I was sort of like, uh, I hit that wave, that was the other thing, I hit that wave of kind of um, the BMX thing, you know, and, uh, you know, where everyone was just like, you know, it was all like rally burners and stuff, you know, and everyone was into the, you know, everyone was in, and there was a BMX track in my local uh, town, but the problem was, is again, that my mum and dad, they were like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't need a BMX. He just, um, he'll be fine with a rally grifter. So everyone else had had proper BMXs, and I had like a, a like a secondhand rally grifter. Which, for people that don't know the rally grifter, it was basically it was a BMX, but it was made out of scaffolding tubes <laughs> welded together. It's like the hev- it's the heaviest bike. He rode it on grass, and he just. You could plough a field with a rally grifter. They were just sort of like big knobbly tires. And And if you fell on your legs, you were trapped. You were like a farmer (laughs) in an agricultural accident. So, uh, yeah, and then the mountain bike thing happened. And that was, so yeah, So and then I got into that. And then, so but I used to ride, I used to ride my bike because I used to love watching trials. That's what I wanted to do when I was a kid, which I later then got into. But yeah, I used to try and ride trials but on a rally grifter in the back garden, trying to get, trying to lift this massive, like a climbing frame on wheels over rocks and logs and stuff, you know? So that was, uh, so yeah, so I didn't, I didn't get a motorbike until I was, I was like 18, I moved to London and I got a little pizza bike and then I, you know, and then I started getting into, I bought a dirt bike and that's got into sports bikes. So I used to do a lot of, um, so I used to do track days and then I started riding off road and then it wasn't until there was, there was myself and a mate of mine and we'd gone down to Wales to see this mate of ours 
we were in the pub, and this is out in the Brecon Beacons, and uh, the guy who ran this 24-hour race, the dawn to dusk, where you, you start, it's all through the Welsh mountains, and you ride up rivers and streams and all sort of extreme stuff. And um, we were in the pub, and, and this mate of ours just said, oh, here we're, next week is the dawn to dusk, and we'd never raced before. Um, and he said, oh, you've got this, got this race on. You can enter. And at the time, so we didn't have any, we didn't have any of the gear and stuff. So we just went, oh, that was the other thing. So he said, he said, look, he goes, you can enter this thing. He goes, you can do it as a two man team. He said, some people do it as a kind of Iron Man, just right in 24 hours. And he said, uh, he goes, there's only at the moment, there's only three teams entered in the pro class. And he goes, so basically he goes, if you were to enter the pro class and their bike was to malfunction or for whatever reason they got injured, they go flat out and they get injured and they pull out, you've only got to finish and you'd be on the podium. <laughs> so me and this, me and this daft mate of mine who had never, would never raced before, I just went, yeah, stuff it, let's do it. Let's just enter and we'll just, we'll just try and do it. And we had a bike. It was way too big. Like most people were on sort of, uh, well, we got a, we got a, we got a 450, got a Honda 450, way too big, way too heavy. And so, yeah, so off we went and like my mate went out there and he did about, he did a couple of laps and then he just completely went. He just sort of middle of the night, he disappeared for hours on end. And he just sort of, he said he was going to collapse and he was just, and he went, he sort of collapsed in a heap. So I just did the rest of the thing myself. And we didn't come anywhere close. Of course, the pros turned out, they've done it before. <laughs> they, were able to, they were able to finish. And then, uh, so yeah, so, so we were just, um, so I went out there and just kept riding. And my mate just went, I'm never doing this again, ever. And then I went, and I just got the taste for it. And I just thought so I would go back every year and I do it on my own, like just, you know, 24 hour. Um, and I just, and I, so I did that. And then I started doing local races Then I got into, I got into like extreme, there's this thing called extreme enduro. So instead of just riding through the woods and, you know, through these sort of, uh, sort of small rivers and streams, it's like massive, great big boulders and, and and so I got into that, and it just sort of it just sort of took on a bit of a I, I get a bit obsessed with things. So yeah, so I went from I went from just going oh it's be a bit of bit of a laugh riding around in the countryside, and then I found myself you know I was start going all over Europe, start going all around the world, just kind of taking part in these these mad motorcycling events, and that's um and and when I was a kid, I had no interest in. Like, I hated PE, I hated all of that, hated team sports, wasn't interested. People like, you know, this idea of, oh, you know, you can you can win something. You can, I said, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> so I went from that to all of a sudden just sort of just got, you know, got really, in, and the great thing about all the extreme uh, enduro stuff is that you're riding with the best riders in the world. You know, it's like sort of, you know, like you get these sort of, uh, what's, I suppose it's like if you were running, say, like a like a marathon or something like that, and everyone sort of lines up, and instead of there being thousands and thousands of people 
and then everyone's but you're all on the you're all just basically starting and riding the same course you know so you get to see the best in the world uh you know and it's and it's just mental you know you've got like bikes tumbling down mountains and you know people just sort of massive crashes and stuff but yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it. I've I've seen, they're like they're like Red Bull events, aren't they? And like massive quarries. Yeah. They're, they're somewhere in Germany or Austria that looked amazing. I can't remember. Yeah, the Urs, yeah, that's yeah. it. That, yeah. That's yeah, and everyone, yeah, yeah. I think everyone runs to their bikes at the start. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you suddenly see everyone running. And, yeah. yeah, and they're all in bike gear, running really hard. Yeah, <laughs> I went and did this one. Is this the, the, my favorite one? Was this one? Uh, it's called Red Bull Romania, and there's this town Cebu in uh, in Romania, and the rest of the year, it's this sort of, it's still kind of just, it's this medieval town. And when you get out into the countryside, there's people making haystacks with pitchforks and stuff. It's, it's Transylvania, you know, the Carpathian Mountains. In fact, when I was, when I was doing it, I got this, um, I fell. I wasn't even riding the bike. I was just, uh, I was stopped in my water and uh, I fell. I cut my, I cut my hand open. And it was properly spurting blood. And I went to the, I went to the, you know, because you do, you do like sort of 60, it's a week of riding. And I got to the end and we just gaffer taped it up. So you just gaffer tape on, pull your glove on. You think, all right, I'll just keep going. And then I got to the, I got to the hospital to get it stitched, like after we finished that night. And I turned the corner and it was this ramshackle, pretty basic Romanian hospital with just wires hanging out of the wall. <laughs> and there was just a line of of about 50 dickhead blokes all in bike gear, <laughs> all sat there. And they all, they all had like arms in slings and like their legs all twisted and stuff. Anyway, I got it stitched up and the stitches kept bursting. And then when I got back to the UK, I, I just left it gaffer tape and it had gone all horrible and septic. And then I go into the, the local hospital and I say, oh, I need to get this stitched and sorted out. And it was all horrible and gammy. And the, the woman was there and she said, um, okay, um, where did you uh, where did you sustain the injury? And without thinking, I went, Transylvania. And she was like, oh, fuck off, Transylvania. And I went, honestly, she <laughs> <laughs> was a little vampire, was it? But um, yeah, so anyway, so, so uh, uh, Romania, actually, so you got the town. And in order to sort of qualify for the event, what they do, and it's worth it's worth looking this up on uh, on YouTube, even if you've got no interest in motorcycling at all, it's 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 mad, and it's a great holiday. Like I'm not saying go and do it, but what they do is the whole the whole area comes out, and there's no health and safety over there. They've got no there's no concept of like they'll maybe put up a barrier, but that's more just to stop people get overexcited. So what they do is. They set up this like it's like an obstacle course around the streets of the main town, and it's like so. Imagine like big logs, and they'll have shipping containers with like ramps going up them, and they'll have like kind of um, uh, and then sort of you know sort of jump off the other side, and then they'll have all kinds of like shit hanging down, and then be like a wall of death that you have to ride up, and you have to race around there to get you qualifying to to then go and spend. 10 hours a day out in the mountains. But the whole town turns up and they line the streets and they have a DJ and they play the music and the whole town and the big massive piles of rocks. And the whole town just watches 
nutters on motorbikes just like because the, the the top guys they're like you know they're hopping around and bouncing over and jumping stuff but up the back there's bikes flipping over people <laughs> smashing on their bikes coming down on top of them and there's like sometimes on the rock sections bikes will sort of people over rev them and they'll fly off into the crowd and the the crowd just grab the bikes and just throw them back over the, the barrier. <laughs> and the DJ, the guy that's commentating, I heard this guy, blow, bike goes off like that, bike gets thrown back in, and you just hear this commentator go, whoa, easy boys, easy boys, easy boys. <laughs> <laughs> and, you just, and, and then that, that all happens, like it's just mad party. And then you go off and then you're riding through the, you know, you're riding through the Carpathian Mountains and there's just like, there's this one hill and it's good. They give them all different names and stuff. And this one hill is basically just like a sheer drop. And you, the hill's called Johnny What the Fuck. And you you just, <laughs> and, and even the top riders get off and sort of try and traverse down there. And while I was going down it, I just hear like that. And I look up and a bike just shoots over the top of my head like that and just flies down the and smashes like just picks up speed like that straight over my head smashing its way down the hill and a second later a guy in a seated position like he was still on the bike just went straight after it like that just go oh shit me on man and um, so yeah it's just you know just this sort of like uh, you know it's kind of like a, a cross between trials riding and um and sort of like be like sort of cross between rallying but then extreme stuff you know and it's it's just it's just fantastic you know it's mm -hmm. like it's like it, it, like i say even if you're not into motorbikes just as a spectacle it's just seeing just but just a bunch of nutters just flying around and the locals they love it you know they all come out and they sort of you know, you'll get these farmers on their, you know, their horse and carts riding along and then just, you know, they'll give you a wave like that through the villages and stuff. Brilliant, yeah. Do you normally have uh, like a, a crew with you or a, a couple of friends to help you run the bike or yeah. if you do break your arm or whatever, they can take you to the hospital? Yeah, yeah, you so, yeah, you need a support crew. So uh, I used to, um, when I was doing it a lot, there's this, um, there's a woman called Patsy Quick and that's a real name. That's not. That's not a. That's not a nickname. <laughs> so, so Patty's this sort of incredible. She runs this. She runs a team, Desert Rose, Desert Rose Racing, and um, so she was the first British woman to finish the Dakar Rally, and um, and she's hard as nails. Like she's just this sort of like. There's the you know because one of those things where you know there's a bit of a bullshit macho element to. To some of that stuff, and Patty's just um, like so. She, when she was doing the Dakar, one of the times she was doing it, she had a massive crash, and her spleen was all ruptured. And I think at one point something was hanging out, and she just sort of like put herself back together and just sort of kept going, you know. And uh, she yeah, she's she's just sort of you know. And there's also that sort of that sort of Dakar thing of. Uh, you know, being I used to, uh, you know, some of the, those races, I was doing them with this mate of mine, Zippy. He was like, you know, he, he's the sort of guy that can just sort of 
fix a bike without any spare parts. You know, he's just like a MacGyver type, you know, bits of wire <laughs> and sort of like putting things back together. And, you know, there's a sort of a, there's like a bit of a survival element to it as well, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah. The team's, uh, yeah, you sort you need a team, but, um, yeah, but Patsy was, Patsy was great, you know, cause you'd get sort of, um, you know, anyone that was trying to get a little bit, you know, getting a little bit mature and getting a little bit sort of, you know, Patsy would just sit there just shaking her head, just going, <laughs> you, you're an idiot, you know. So. What about, you, you You talked about doing that, that cut of the wrist. You must have had a fair number of misadventures then on these two-wheel kind of escapades of things going horribly wrong or have you mostly touch wood escaped? Yeah, I've, I got attacked by dogs. That was a bit of fun. <laughs> there was a pack of... Because that's the thing, like, in Romania, so they have... Um, that's the other thing as well, because they try, they try and wear you down, you know, they try and wear you down with, like, um, you know, because the days are so long and it's so sort of physically demanding. But then they'll do things like... Um, was one year they, they've got somebody in full motorbike gear and just had them hanging from a tree, like a, a, a dummy just hanging from the tree. <laughs> so it's like, and then there was another thing. It was, it was like you had to ride through. One of the checkpoints was a military base and they had a bunch of guys with those air, you know, those airsoft guns just pop up, just shooting at me. <laughs> but, the, but the best, or they had a, they had a, because there's bears out there, they had a, had a guy in a bear suit that jumped out from me on the tree. <laughs> um, but uh, so they have these like packs of wild dogs, you know, like out in the mountains. And I was riding along, and, and myself and, and Zippy, who uh, we had like these, uh, we'd, we got these radios so that we could talk to each other, like, you know, going up the hills and stuff. But we're riding along. And the bash plate, there's like a metal plate that protects the, the bottom of the bike. And it slipped across and it was uh, it was getting in the way of me changing gear. And I was trying to do it. And so I was stuck in quite high gear. So I was going, I was going a bit too fast. And then all these dogs came around. And this one big, vicious dog was like, it wasn't moved. I thought it would run out the way. And this dog is literally standing there and all the other dogs ran off and it's just like that, like baring its teeth. And I get on the radio and I'm going like, the bash plate slipped across, there's a dog in front of me. I was like, and I just see a zip me in my ear and he just goes, kick it, just kick it. So I was balancing on one leg and I, this dog is literally just in front of me and I swing my leg back and like just before I swing to get this dog, it runs off at the last minute. And I went, it's fine, it's run off. And I just hear him, uh, yeah, he goes, the bash plate, you dickhead. And he made She <laughs> 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 just kicked the bash plate on the front of the changed gear. And I was, I was just there. I was just, I was ready to fight a dog. Uh, That's how much your mind is sort of. Uh, like with, some sort um, of horror jousting. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah let's kick a dog in the face uh but yeah look it's one of those things where like i've had a few you know i've got like a got like a metal got a metal wrist and stuff and and i've got a few scars and stuff. But i've been quite i've been quite lucky with injuries i've never really sort of uh i hurt myself too badly not really but uh no more just um more just sort of like Mainly sort of training for that sort of stuff, you know. We would, uh, 
as myself and a mate of mine, we went off in the bush in, in Australia and you sort of, whereas normally most people would sort of, you know, they'd ride through the forest and kind of go, oh, that's an easy track there. You know, like when you're training for it, you'd sort of go, oh, there's a massive, there's a massive hill up there. Or, or in this case, there was a, there was a really steep gully and with loads of fallen logs and stuff in it. And I was like, oh, let's just drop into this gully and see how far down we can get. And we got so far into it, there was no way we were getting out. And then we got to the point where we were just, with the bikes were stuck and it started to get dark. So we decided that we would just like mark them on the GPS. We thought we'll walk out to the road and we were miles away from anywhere. And then finally we probably walked for about two and a half hours, something like that, just in our bike gear in the pitch darkness, no streetlights for miles. And luckily a mate of ours who was the local cop out in that, out in that neck of the woods, he'd, he'd come riding with us and he had a rough idea where we would be. And he was out driving around trying to find us. And by sheer fluke, we just saw this, saw this car and he stopped and he turned around and he was just about to drive off because we were probably another, probably another two hours of walking to get to the next place where we, no phone signal or anything. And anyway, we just belting after him. Anyway, we caught up with him. Luckily, he sees us. Like We'd marked where the bikes were, and he took us home. But what we hadn't factored in was both of our wives were, like, freaking out. Hmm. My mate's wife come round to our house. Oh, my God, they've died in the woods. Anyway, they came back. Uh, sorry, they, they were sat in the living room. We came back, and but our mate, because he was in the cop car, he come up the drive and he put the lights on and all that. And my missus was like, oh my God, he's dead. Like he didn't. <laughs> he basically <laughs> thought it was the knock on the door to say, I'm very oh, sorry, God. but your, hus- your husband's dead. And we get out the cop car. Hey! <laughs> he found us. <laughs> just like you. Yes, you know. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you still do that sort of thing now? That that those sort of big rides, or, or less so? Yeah, no, I do. I I yeah. haven't. Uh, I haven't. Um, the last big one I did was uh, I did the Scottish Six Day Trial. You know, up in the Highlands there. Um, that was the last one I did. Um, 
Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I've been racing of late, just because it's uh, just you know. I think what happened was with them, um, especially with COVID. Like I was really lucky because during COVID, you know, I had thirty five acres of of land with a trials course and stuff. So I was just out riding. But it was one of those things where I got out of the over that COVID period because all the events were off. I sort of got out of the. You've got to kind of have a. You've got to have an event, haven't you? You've got to have something to work towards. So I haven't really been. I still ride, but I haven't I haven't been competing. But I have started. But I have started doing just because it's been a lot easier. I've started doing like um, I've always done a bit of running, but uh, you know, like trail running, and that started off as that just started off as oh, I was kind of have a little little run about the place. And as always happens with me, it gets a bit out of control, and then <laughs> you know I was going oh, just do a little um. I'll just do a half marathon, little trail half marathon. Then I went, oh, there's a, there's a marathon, a little, um, you know, one of these, um, like down the beach and through the hills and all that. And I thought, I'll just, I'll just do a marathon. I'll just put it as a trail marathon, so you can just, you know, it's not. <laughs> I don't have to be full on. And then, yeah, now I've now I've got now I've got into that, you know. So right. I started, um, and then so now what I'm going to do is in the summer. Because I know I can do the 24-hour, um, you know, the, I, I can – because I ended up winning that 24-hour, and I went back for five years. That was – as I was going to say, that's that's my greatest sporting wow. achievement. Hang on, let, let, let me rephrase that. That's my only sporting <laughs> achievement. Um, but I um, – yeah, I spent I, – so for that, I trained for six months. I did nothing – pretty much nothing else but just focus on that race. And then um, – so I and what I loved about that was like riding a bike for twenty four hours. You know, if you mess it up, you sort of fall off, and it, you 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 know you end up you know hurting yourself. So the concentration as you get tired, the concentration it just sort of it's like a you start hallucinating, you know, and you start like you see like you start seeing like rabbits that aren't there, and you think people are stepping out in front of you, and we just got to keep going. And I realized that there's something there's something about the same mentality of doing stand up is exactly the same as as spending twenty four hours. I know it seems sounds a bit mental, but the same mentality is sort of and I, and I think that's why you know I was talking to Eddie Izzard about when he, you know he did his um you know all those marathons and stuff, and I think there's something I think there's part of the Something about stand-ups, not all stand-ups, because stand-ups are just really lazy. But it, <laughs> there's there's a similar there's a, there's something there's something in there. So so do, yeah. So anyway, so doing the twenty four hour dirt biking, it's made me think. Oh, I'm going to try and uh, I'm going to try and apply that to to running. So my thing is so in. So when is it? Six months time? Yeah. Race where it's an eight mile loop around a stately home. Did I just freeze there again? So I was yeah. on stay. Yeah. No, you know what it is? I always find it weird on these things when a thing comes up and says that you're unstable and you start going, <laughs> is that a comment on what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> on, on the internet. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you go, oh, this, this linked up's like a linked up to a therapist. <laughs> um, 
or my wife's listening in and she's just like, <laughs> you are on stage. Um, anyway, so yeah, so there's a there's this race. It's in a, a it's an eight kilometer loop through a state so set out in the grounds of a stately home in Leeds, and you re, you just basically run as many loops as you can in twenty four hours. So, like, how hard can it be, really? <laughs> so, so Pretty that's hard, my, I um, yeah, yeah. But, but then, you know, how much of it is, how much of it is, you know, because, like, so much of it is mental, you know? It's like a mate of mine said, what does he said? He goes, uh, when we were doing the 24 hours, one of the support crew, he said, uh, 80% of this is all about, he said, a lot of this is mental. And Ross is definitely mental. <laughs> um, so you're perfect but, for the yeah, job. But, yeah, I think so. But I think there's a. I mean, look, out of anyone, you you'll be able to you you'll be able to go. No, you're wrong. But mm-hmm. there's that thing. I read this book, uh, not the one that Joe Rogan talk talks about boar hunting at the start. There's another book called Endurance, and it was all about. It was all about like endurance and about you know that mindset and i think it's one of those things where i'm just look i might die and if i do it'll be a hell of a story at the funeral <laughs> but yeah i'm i'm gonna that's that's my so i know that's a bit of a that's a bit of a cheat to saying this is a sporting misadventure that is about to happen <laughs> but that's that's my plan now but wouldn't you be I'm tempted just, on, on the loop though because you keep on coming back to the same point, I would give up at some point. I just sort of know I would. But again, that's one of the things with the doing it on a motorbike. You would. What I discovered was is that yeah, when you come back to the to the point, you know, you you come back into the pit, grab a bit of food, and what I noticed was is that the people who gave up were the ones who sort of stopped, who thought about it. And so I think what you have to do is you have to come in and when you go, oh, I could stop now, you just get out there because once you're on the next loop, you can't turn around and go, bam, mm. you could, but you could sort of give up at any point. So yeah. I think it's one of those things where if you keep moving, I think, but that's sort of like life, isn't it? It's that thing of like, mm. if you just keep moving forward, even if it's like, even if it's just like one step at a time, doesn't, and also, I think some people, this is where it all gets a bit, this is where it all gets a bit zen and that, but it's like sometimes people go, oh, this is really unpleasant and this feels horrible. But I think that like the natural state of, of as human beings, who says that we've, if you're constantly in a state of ecstasy, then you've got nothing to balance it against. You know, you, you if you spend your whole time going, I've always got to feel comfortable, then when you get out of your comfort zone and you come through it, there's no sense of going, bloody hell, that's that's yeah. where I was. So yeah, so I think I think you're right. There is, it would be easy to go, Oh, this I could just stop now. Yeah, but you could just keep going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Unless your legs you're actually right, though, snap. Well, that 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 sense of comfort is only pleasant when you've got it. You, you know, when you've gone through pain to get to that point, when you've had to suffer or you've had to work hard, the the comfort at the end of it is you've earned it. But if you're comfortable all the time, 
then the novelty wears yeah. off and, and life becomes dull and becomes grey and it just becomes this comfortable in, in this little safety zone which you think life is about pushing yourself and finding out what you can do and overstepping the mark and then realising oh that was a bit silly made it back <laughs> in from there yeah, yeah, yeah. mistakes you know so I, I totally get all that and it's so how sorry I was just going to I was just going to ask so like so from your point of view right when you're so when you're at a point where you're going, when you're at your absolute, you know, at your absolute limit where, so like, you know, like if I go out running or whatever, there's times where I go, right, I'm going to run. Sometimes I go, oh, I'll just run for a bit of fun. I just, you know, I won't get out of breath. I'll just trot along and all the rest of it. Well, there's other times where I go, right, for the next half an hour, I'm going flat out till everything hurts, right? So when you're in that point, when you're at the point, especially when, you've spent years building up to that point, right? And you're you're at the absolute limit. What is the, like, I'm guessing you're not going, oh, I'm going to give up on this because it's like <laughs> there's too much at stake. What What are the thoughts that, sorry, I know this is your podcast and you're supposed to be asking <laughs> That's me. That's a good question. I'm fascinated, yeah. I'm fascinated by this. What are, what are the thoughts that especially when, like, like I'm talking about, not necessarily because, you know, obviously when you've trained for that long and you're going for this ultimate thing, but when you're sort of at the point, maybe when you're training, where you get to the point where everything's burning, what what, what thoughts start popping into your head? You, I think you, you have to, you can't allow yourself to focus on the pain and you can't allow yourself right. to think about how much longer you've got to go. So the only thing right. you can do is be living in the moment, living that split second of, I don't have to do another five minutes, 10 minutes, or, you know, for me, I, I never used to do long endurance races, but I would be doing maximal efforts multiple times in a day. So you might have 10, yeah. 10 more sprints to go and you're on yeah. sprint number four and you're thinking, well, I, I can't even do this one, let alone six more. So how, yeah. how the hell am I going to get through today? And I've got tomorrow and I've got, you know, five more days in a row before I get the next rest day. And when you look at the bigger picture, that can be overwhelming. And then you just go, you, ra you wave the white flag and you go, no, nah, I can't do this. And you pull out. But it's, it's actually realizing at that specific moment in time, is the pain so bad that you have to stop? And 99 times out of 100, it's not, you know, literally it's, unless your leg's falling off, you can keep going. So you think, just, <laughs> yes. do, one yeah, more, yeah, just yeah. do one more effort and then don't worry about the next one or the one after that or tomorrow or, or next yeah. week. Just get through right now, literally one more step, one more pedal evolution. And you do it, and yeah. you get through it, and you go, oh, I'll try one more. And you do that, and you do that. So I think by living in the moment and by, by bringing yourself back to where you are right now and not worrying about what's coming, that's how you get through it. And, and it's, it's what, that's, how, that's what I used to do anyway. But it's interesting because you yeah. speak to lots of different athletes in different, different sports, and it often comes back to that, that ability to, to stay in the moment and not allow yourself to get psyched out by. And it's a bit like saying, when you go to the doctor and they're going to give you an injection or you're going to, you know, you're going to get a, you know, this might hurt, you know, you can take your kids in to get, you know, a, a jab or whatever. And if they, if you tell them it's going to be sore, then they, they start tensing up and you start if the pain feels bad. If you relax and you, you know, if you think this is going to hurt, then, then it will hurt. But if you tell yourself yeah. it's going to be sore, if you build it up, if you just go in and go, no, actually, you know, this is all right. This is okay. I can deal with this. And, and distract yourself and think about something else, then you, you tend to get through it. And it's, it's the, the brain is an amazing thing because it can either be your biggest ally or it can be your worst enemy. 
And if you can understand yeah. to get it on your side, then you can achieve amazing things. It's it is incredible what the human human mind or what human beings can do and what they can overcome in, in terms of endurance and, and pain and, and yeah and yeah just, just you know stuff that, that we all look at and marvel at and you think actually it's incredible how how do folk do that often it's very simple tricks that they can they can trick their their, their body or their mind to do well that's that's it's fascinating you say that because that's what I see you know before I said like stand up is a similar sort of thing I know that seems like a weird connection to make. That's what people often, like people often say to me, they'll just go like, oh my God. So like, if you're on stage and you've got a thousand people in front of you, 2,000, however many people in front of you, and they go, are you worried that you, you like, what if it goes wrong? What if it, what if you say something, what if they don't laugh? What if the, and there's this sort of thing that people who have never done stand up have this thing in their head where they go, oh my God, this could be a catastrophe. This could all go horribly wrong. But you're basically going, like when you drive a car you're not driving a car thinking oh shit what if i drove into that lamppost you know what i mean you're not you don't you you're in that moment and you're going and again it's that thing of like like when you're improvising you know people people freak out and they go oh my god so like something happens and you gotta think something funny but you're not going you're not thinking oh shit i need to think about i gotta think about making these people laugh for an hour it's exactly the same thing. Something happens, mm. you come up with an idea, boom, there's a funny thing. And then they laugh at that. And then that allows you to then go to the next thing. And as soon as you start thinking, and especially like if you're improvising with other people on stage, if you start to think to yourself, right, that person, oh, I've said that. As soon as you start thinking, oh, shit, should I have said that? Should, if you can't think about what you've said because it's happened and you if you start thinking about oh I've got this idea so if I save that then I'll be and then this could happen and then that could happen but as you start thinking about what's coming up you're not in that moment because somebody says something and where you think it's good it's gone in a completely different you know what I mean it's gone on a different yeah. track so exactly the same thing of like just being in that moment and and even if it's shit, even if, you know, like you were saying, where you're going, just one more revolution. It's that thing of like, when I used to do gigs where, like horrible gigs, where people would be heckling me or I'd get bottles thrown at me and stuff. You're not thinking, oh, this whole thing's ruined. This is over. Oh, my career's shit. You're going, okay, someone just threw a bottle at me. Well, that's a thing. <laughs> well, you know, that's, and, and okay, so that's a, can this be safe? Can we, how do we deal with that? And then the next thing and the next, and I think that sort of, you know, again, not wanting to be all sort of Buddhist about it, but that's, I think that's the, that's almost the secret to life. You know, mm. the, the secret to happiness is sort of acknowledging the fact of going, you know, not, is this, is this, a, is this moment, uh, good or bad of just going this is what it is what can we do with this how can we you know let's let's experience this let's 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 sort of feel that i know this sounds like i've, I've never been to therapy and i'm sure a therapist would just go <laughs> you're a fucking idiot but i think that's i think there's there's two things there's that thing of like living in the moment and also turning everything turning everything into play 
I think that's the thing that I think a lot of people forget is that if you're if you're trying to do something, I know it's all a bit Mary Poppins, but again, it's that thing of like if you can turn something into a game, if you can turn it into a even if it's something that's pretty shitty, if you can find a way of finding the fun in it, but at the same time being in it, actually living in it and experiencing it, if you can do that, even if you're going through a shitty time, if you're in pain, you you know for a fact you go, no, this will be worth it. That I mean, I've also got that thing of going, this is a horrible experience. And I suppose the same way that you would go, what more evolution ultimately is going to pay off four years down the line. You know that there's a bigger thing. Yeah. I've also got that thing of going, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. This is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. I'm going to get 20 minutes out of this. You know, <laughs> so it's, you know what I mean? So there's always that. And, and, yeah. I, and I understand that people don't have, most people don't have that luxury of going, oh, I can turn, I can, you know, I can turn this into a thing. But if you can, then that's a win, you know? Absolutely. So in, in terms of, yeah. In terms of a bucket list event to do with, with the Dakar Rally, is that is that achievable? Is it something you'd love to do? Is it even on your radar? If you had asked me that, if you'd asked me that probably five years ago, ten years ago, I would have. The Dakar is one of those things where it's such a kind of it's such an incredible thing. I find it. I, I, I w- there's part of me that maybe would have gone, yeah, because it, it, I've got loads of mates that have done it, and it is an incredible thing. But to be honest, it's one of those things where, for me, it was always the Scottish Six Day Trial. That was, that was the thing that I kind of looked at and went, if I could finish that, that would be the pinnacle of because that because technically, like the Dakar's the most dangerous motorbike. I mean, the Isle of Man, but, but the Scottish is, trials riding to me is that's the, that's the pinnacle of, of motorcycles. But, you know, the top trials riders in the world, in my opinion, are, you know, in the motorcycling world, they're the people that I, I sort of ad- admire the most. Dakar, maybe, yeah, maybe five years ago, I, I might have, but then again, I think it's one of those things where it's like these guys that want to climb Everest, you know. I think it's one of those things where climb a hundred smaller mountains and get really good at climbing rather than just I think a lot of I think a lot of yeah. people buy a dirt bike and go, I want to do Dakar. And at the end of the day, Dakar is it it's a it's a very, very dangerous it's a yeah. very, and I think it's one of those things where as much as it appeals to me and I probably would have I probably would have had a go at it. I think, you know, I've got I've got a wife and two kids and some people can you know, some people can who are of a of a certain level can kind of divorce themselves from they're so hungry for it and that's they live and breathe it. For me, I look at it and I go, I'm just not if I spent five years working on it and, you know, committing to it, there's, it's one of those things where I just think, weirdly, I've got, I've sort of got too much respect for the event and I've got too much respect for the 
the the top riders. I I, I wouldn't. I, I think Dakar's one of those things where it's a bit like these dickheads that basically go, oh, "I'm going to climb Everest," and you go. <laughs> Yeah, well done, fuck with. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You go like, like I look at it and sort of go, you know what? I'm not, I'm not impressed by, you know, somebody sitting there with it going, oh, they, there's me at the top of Everest. Sorry if either of you have climbed Everest. <laughs> yeah, Matt's going next week. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but you know, but you know what I mean? Like, like people who have, people who have spent their whole you know, people that have spent their whole lives working towards that and have climbed all the small mountains and then go for Everest. And at the moment, time-wise and, and in terms of where I am in my life at the moment, it's one of those things where, look, if my wife divorces me and my kids say they never want to speak to me again, <laughs> I'd, probably, I'd probably spend five years trying to get but good you, enough to... Here's to a question do, for but, you. Yeah. Would, would, go on. Would you... If, if the danger was the main reason that you were thinking it's too much of a risk and I'm a, I've got family and all this, would you consider it on four wheels? Would you? Because it's still dangerous, obviously, in a car, but would would the draw of the event be such that you would consider it on four wheels or is it, the, the, you know, two wheels is my thing, motorbikes or everything, this is, this no, is you, what I want to do? You know what, I'd probably, yeah, I reckon, I reckon four wheels. I would, I would... Uh, yeah, I think it's a diff. It's still hard, like it's still incredibly hard. Yeah, I might. Yeah, I couldn't be. I could. You, you know, you know who I think are the absolute the, in the four wheel category are the core drivers. Like being a co- like being a core driver in a in one in those rally cars as well. I once I, I was lucky enough to go in the in the Skoda uh, with a Skoda um, rally car, and it was mad. It was one of those things where, like, I was thinking, I'd really like to drive this. The guy, we're driving along like that, and the guy he turns to me, he's sort of like this German guy. He sort of he went, uh, "Do you want me to hold back, or do you want me to give you the full experience?" There's no emotion <laughs> at all, and I went, "Mate, like." Because I once got, I got the chance to go on a, a two-seater, I did the two-seater MotoGP bike with Randy Mamola, you know? Wow. And um, that was just, and again, I just said, look, go flat out. And uh, it was it was, it was was mad. Like, we were we're going around, uh, it was at Donington, it was just before the MotoGP race. And um, it's one of those things where he was breaking so hard into the, into the corners that the next track day that I did... I got so much faster because I was on the back with him and I went, oh, I'm not even going close to where you can, Ooh. you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I was in this Skoda uh, rally car and we are going around and this guy is just like, uh, I wish I could remember his name, that's terrible. But anyway, so we're flying around, he's staying sideways, we're going over this jump and a pheasant walked out. Like literally his pheasant just walked out. And this fella, he didn't even, he didn't even lift... Li- not just he didn't break he didn't even lift off and if anything he accelerated <laughs> and we hit this bit it went poof like that and this bird just it exploded this pheasant this went poof like that and it was just feathers everywhere and there was blood splattered across the windscreen and he just went flick flick and the windscreen went like that and he just went Poor bird, and then just <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
So, um, oh, look, you know, I, I see it's one of those things where the Dakar is just such a, I mean, who who knows? Maybe if I could, if I could talk the wife into it. I'm 47 now, though, so I'll probably have to plenty, do it. Plenty of years left. But you, you've got, yeah, you have maybe, a, a bit maybe. of history in four wheels. You did Top Gear. I remember I bumped into, yeah. I don't know if you remember this, I bumped into right. a shop in London many years ago. Yeah, yeah. It was just around yeah, the time. I remember that. And you were, uh, you were just, I think you were just about to go on. No, you'd just been on Top Gear at that point. And I was going on, or vice versa. Can't remember which way yeah, it was. Yeah, but... you, yeah. You, I think you were going on. Because my whole thing was, <laughs> so basically, I had gone significant, not just faster than, but I had gone significantly faster than Tom Cruise. And <laughs> I never stopped talking about like <laughs> to the point where I never stopped talking about it. even so every time yeah every time uh, there's a new Tom Cruise film and I love Tom who doesn't love Tom Cruise but every time there's a new the, like a Mission Impossible and he'll be and he'll be flicking the car around and doing all the stunts and especially when he does the bike stuff and I'll literally turn to my wife and I'll go you know, and she goes, I know you're faster than Tom Cruise. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I always say the same thing. I always go, he was in Days of Thunder. He trained for that. And she just goes, stop, stop. And I, um, but yeah, so so I'd gone, so I was up the top there. And then, and then you came on and I think you, you took it by... Look at me pretending like I don't know exactly how many <laughs> hundreds of a second. But you pit me, and then I think JK came on, and he beat both of us, didn't he? So I think, I think he. No, was... he didn't beat me. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. Here's me pretending not to remember. Yeah, no, I didn't. Right. JK was the last in the series because I remember I didn't know the. I'd, it was one episode to go, and JK was the last episode, and he had right. been. In previous series, he'd done the quickest time. So he oh, was going back to the top. Series. So he, and, uh, right, and so, then they yeah. read at the time, and you've never seen someone's face look so crestfallen. You know, you know when they say, yeah. "Where do you think? Where do you think you've come?" And you could see you looking straight yeah, the top, yeah. and, and it was just that moment where I have to admit I was jumping around my hmm. living room. <laughs> if well, I celebrated more when when he didn't beat my time than on the show itself when they read at my time. It was a bizarre. Right, it was weird. Right. It was. It was more like because I think it was because you had that benchmark of well, I knew that he was the quickest from previous series, and I knew he was right, handy. Right. So I kind of expected him to go top, and uh, and when he didn't, I was yeah jump, jumping around like there an was, idiot. Because there was somebody who was just under me, who wasn't. There was definitely somebody who was an Olympian, and Max I remember thinking, wasn't it gymnast? That'd Max be it. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember thinking, he's not going to like that. He is not going to. He's like, what? Well, that, well, that fat bloke is um, But the thing was, right, is that with, um, I mean, to be fair, I had done a lot of track days on motorbikes. But when I went to do Top Gear, uh, I'd never driven a car on the track. So it was one of those wow. things where it was, um, so I knew, obviously I knew like on a bike, it's sort of like, if you get it wrong, <laughs> like you go, you know, like on a, on a sports bike, you get it wrong and you're not just off, it flicks you off, you know? Um, so that was the first time I'd ever, so that was the first time I'd actually driven a car, like trying to get a fast time, you know? But I think because 
you because you and JK, you both have international race licenses, don't you? Yeah, here's the excuses coming, Matt. He's got all the excuses, you know. And and I left the aircon on. No, no, but so I was. Uh, <laughs> so there was part of me. Uh, well, I wasn't surprised. It, it was funny because it's one of those things where I was quite surprised. I was quite surprised that I did well purely because I it's cars, isn't it? It's not motorbikes, and yeah, and but it's I, I one of those it's, things I, where I, I think you, when you see. Um, guys who are really into the motorbikes and who are really sort of, you know proficient at it they can transfer their skills it's far easier like way easier i think or way more successful for a motorcyclist to go into four wheels than the opposite like you you know i think there's something about how much you're feeling just through the seat of your pants as you're riding your bike on track that you're learning and you're, yeah. you're taking in way more information than in a car, there's just so many things that are can diluting that experience or that 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 information, and therefore, yeah. I think I think you you, uh, I would say guys on motorbikes probably learn a lot more, know more, and understand more, and therefore can apply that to 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 drive yes. the car more easily. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I, I was I was surprised, but there was part of me that went, I just you know beating Tom Cruise was that that was the thing yeah. for me, and then yeah, and then I looked at it, and I went well. You two have both raced properly, so you know, mm-hmm. probably given another hour. <laughs> <laughs> the moral victor. How, in in many ways. Um <laughs> but but how was that how was doing that compared to because then my brain starts to my brain started to sort of spin and and, and look at it and go, because was that I think that was the first time I didn't ever did it again. I think I did it again, I was pretty I was up the top again. So it's part of me that was going, oh well, I, you know that thing of like you have a re, you play a good game of darts and then you think I could do this for a living because <laughs> <laughs> like Lee Mack told me once that he because um, him and Tim Vine are obsessed with darts, like properly yeah. obsessed with it, and uh, and when they did the the celebrity darts thing for Comic Relief, and he was with the, his professional partner, and he basically said to him, he went. Do you reckon? Uh, do you reckon I could do um, do well? He's promised. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Not even slightly. How did that? And it, you know what? It's also it's the same as like the difference between you know when you sort of go you go go kart. That's the other thing as well. I, I had done a lot of go karting before I did top gear. Oh, here we go. So here that, we go. Know, the truth's coming out now. Yeah. Yeah. Public. Public go karting tracks, you know, um, but a lot, like you know, you know what I mean. So, so to be fair, driving slow vehicles that are kind of underpowered, I did have a bit of, you know, how close to when you've done proper races, is that even in the same ballpark, or is it just fannying about with a with a shitty car? It's it, in terms of concentration and focus, it's exactly the same. I, like on the start line, I felt like it was an Olympic final. Because I'm because I've right. watched Top Gear since I was a kid, and I've yeah, seen all right, my right. you know all these my heroes of mine, you know superstars going around doing the lap and thinking all that time thinking I wonder what one day what would it be like if I got a chance to do it and then here's your chance and you only get you know the three laps, and the worst thing was yeah. the rain was starting to fall so I knew that I had to that they're, they're mucking around <laughs> getting the cameras installed on the car and I'm saying it's yeah, starting to right. rain can we get going yeah yeah we'll just get this camera on here. So, and I could see the you know, windscreen wipers are coming on, thinking, ah, oh, there goes my chance of doing a decent lap. 
So you're kind of stressed and you want to you want to do a decent lap just to sort of see what you can do. But in terms of the yeah. actual, compared to racing, like there's one thing stringing together a decent lap on a track with nothing to hit. There's no walls, there's nothing, no risk yeah, yeah, yeah. to then racing wheel to wheel. And you're going, you know, certain tracks there, you know, like at Le Mans, you've got concrete walls going through the Porsche curves. You've got areas yeah, where you're yeah. getting close to sort of 200 miles an hour. And the risk, not like in motorbiking, motorcycling, but there's, there is risk. Whereas a yeah, yeah, right. in a, you know, whatever it was, the Toyota, you can really push it. And if you get it wrong, you spin off on the grass and it's fine. But it was, yeah, it was right. so much fun. And I, and I was embarrassed by how seriously I took it on the day. Like literally on the start line, <laughs> it was tragic, you know. Yeah. It was just because I just, I just want. It's like this is your only chance. You want to just, you just want to see what you can do, and the the, the ridiculous yeah, yeah, competitor yeah. inside you takes over, and you know that afterwards, there all the crew and everybody went. Well, he was a bit of an idiot, wasn't he? he Seriously, it's just a, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, a TV yeah. show. You know, it's a bit of fun, but you know, I was properly in the zone. Yeah, but I, I think it's worse as a comedian to turn up like because it's one of those things where people just expect it i think it's that thing of like you spent your whole life you know f focusing on right how can i how can i get to the point you know that's what you've done that's what that's your skill is to go right how can i get as fast as possible and that's just part of your you know that's part of your makeup you know whereas i think it's one of those things where if you're just a bit of a dickhead that's going, hey, right, let's see how fast this goes. So I think if you're a comic and you turn up and you go, right, okay, who's who's the right, who's the fastest? I think that's a bit different. So I think you've sort of got a that's why I always think it's weird with um Gordon Ramsay, you know? Like hmm. I always think like that's a weird sort of mental, you know, because Gordon Ramsay has clearly got like he's a I was going to say he's a cook. He's not cook. He's just yeah. But like, <laughs> like he makes people's dinners, right? But he's managed to somehow have the mentality of an Olympian. Like he's got this thing of like he can't just be a chef. He's got to be the best chef. And it's that thing of <laughs> like, you know. And I I find that insane because it's one of those things where if it's quantifiable, if somebody says. If you go faster, if you go higher, if you go longer than all the other people who are trying to do this thing in this time period, we will give you some precious metal, right? That's the, do you know what I mean? That is, there's, there's parameters to that. And I get that. And it's one of those things where you go, this is what you're going to try and achieve. This is how you're going to do it. Do it. Whereas I find someone like Gordon Ramsay fascinating because he wants to be, the fastest he wants to be the best and you sort of go fair enough on top yeah like he, he wants to be mr super fast but cooking <laughs> it's just that weird thing of just going if you transfer you turn this into a yeah exactly it's a mm -hmm. you know so uh so yeah so i think that i think if you're a i think if you're a comedian or you're an actor or arguably a chef you look more of a twat <laughs> if, you, if you go, right, come on, we're gonna, you know. So, so I think you should, you should, I think you should give yourself a break on that. We need to ask you about your tour because we started talking about touring. We didn't actually say about that you've got oh, a tour, yeah. tour coming imminently. Are you, are you, do you start at the end of this month in the UK or I can't remember the date? 
I'm 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 sort of halfway I'm halfway through. So oh, right, um okay. yeah, yeah. So it's uh the second half goes um yeah, next next couple of months. So it's all on my website. I'm shit at plugging it. I got oh, I just have a bit of Well t- tell us the, t- tell chat. our listeners the it's, name at least. It, yeah. It's called uh, Jibber Jabber Jamboree and it's me talking bollocks and uh, <laughs> all the dates are up on uh, uh, rossnoble.com. Oh, and as well, I've also got um, my last tour. Uh, I've just released that as a as a download, so you can go on my website and download that as a as a thing. It's like a tenner, but value in it two hours right, show right. plus something like that. So, <laughs> yep, there you go. So, but yeah, it's I'll be I'll be all over, I'll be all over the country doing doing all funny stuff and that doing what you do best. <laughs> Yeah, well, I like to think I uh, race against uh, Tom Cruise is what I do best. <laughs> I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's been really good fun. Good stuff. Thank well, yeah, uh, thank yeah. You so much. I hope that's um, yeah. Great chat. Was, yes. Good that talk, was thing, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, was well, yeah. That that that's the problem. Once, once you get me started. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, no, lovely. Well, yeah, nice best of luck with the tour. And yeah, thanks Thanks, thanks so much for spending the time. And I uh, hope to see you no soon. No problem at all. All right, take care. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank bye. You. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 